Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. Uh, wins have been few and far between this season, so when the Frogs get a 16-9 win at Waco, beating Baylor, denying them of the chance to become bowl eligible, it does make the season a little bit better. The sun was bright on Saturday as the Frogs win down there at McLean Stadium, everyone's favorite place in Texas, in Waco. Frogs get a W. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, I have Jeremy Clark with me. I'm Jeff Mitchell. Daniel, his uh, his voice is still so hoarse from the game that he's going to sit this one out. He's producing, and he's like Danny on the hard line. So we're just going to have Jeremy and Jeff talking here for a little bit tonight. we got a lot to cover. So let's just start with the most basic. Jeremy, you predict the Frogs would lose. Did you see this coming? No. <laughs> I don't think anyone did. I think everyone had pretty much written off the season. Uh, I picked, I mean, I picked it, TCU, by the way. Yeah, I know. How, how can you see all those purple shaded glasses? Do you I use those when you drive glasses. at night? I yeah. do. Yes, uh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Be honest, man. I, I, I think, I think, just looking at it from a realistic perspective, the the way the offense had played in the last few weeks, and you had Baylor playing their senior game, and uh, you just didn't know what kind of uh, uh, team you're going to see on Saturday, and. Of course, the offense played about as average as, as they have this whole season. They got their 16 points or that they averaged teens every game. And they uh, they sit there and, and they don't make a ton of mistakes. They force mistakes on defense, but the defense just comes out and plays the best they've played all year. I mean, that's nothing else could be said. And it wasn't just me. It was just everyone that follows this program. I don't think, I don't think really anyone realistically thought that TCU was going to be able to do what they did, especially after they lose Mike Collins, Darius Anderson, Shaywo, Ty Ty Summers, and then Austin Meyer. Yeah. Kelton Hollins was out late in the game, which I don't know if that was a bad thing, the way he was snapping most of the game, but oh, no kidding. you had Jalen Rager on the sidelines. So it was, it was just really, really Johnson, Deshaun uh, Johnson, you know, yeah, Johnson is out. So we could, we could keep, yeah. I mean, here. he got, he got hurt late. Yeah. He got hurt late in the game, late making the game. a good play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we just wanted. I wanted to drop this stat as soon as I could. Coach Patterson said it is it is post game presser. Forty of the eighty five scholarship players were out at some point in that game for injuries. Yeah, that is insane. Half half your roster. So TCU's JV team beat Baylor, and you know you talked about how shocked we were, and and yes, we we were all surprised. Anybody that kind of sees this with a clear eye was I was expecting that. Baylor's physicality was really going to be able to, you know, dominate the TCU offensive line and that their offensive line was going to be able to really establish themselves against this banged up defense. And, you know, I know Coach Patterson give, has given a lot of praise to, to Matt Rule and the program that he's building, and I think that's due. Um, but this is a tough team. Baylor is a – they play a different brand of football than what Bryles was doing in a, in a lot of ways. But, the, but but Rule, you know, he's more of an East Coast. He's more of an NFL guy. He wants to kind of line up and run at you. They, they, he really teaches that physicality up front. And the, they were never able to exert themselves and enforce their will against TCU. And so if I thought the Frogs were going to lose, it's because I thought they were going to get whipped. And it 
no point yeah. in the game did Baylor assert themselves as the dominant team. At no point were they controlling the line of scrimmage in a way that was, it, you know, at times it was neutral. You know, Baylor got their shots, et cetera, et cetera. But all that being said, there was there was never a moment where Baylor was able to be like, all right, we've kind of fought for three quarters. Now we're going to take over the game just because of kind of the, the earned value of their physicality. I, I was really surprised with what the offensive line and then what the defensive line was able to dial up in this game. And I think that's a credit to Coach Patterson. And it's a credit mm-hmm. to these players that had every reason to not play. Not every reason to just kind of give it up in a tight game, and they 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 saw it all the way to the end, and that was that was a great effort, regardless of how ugly it was. Yeah, and that's another thing Coach Patterson said in the post game, and it just being eight feet from him and, and just seeing the the face and just kind of the emotions with with everything. It just he said, if you want to see how TCU football is, just pop in this game tape, and that's. Because I asked him, how proud are you of the resiliency your team has shown? And he goes into, if you really want to see what this TC, this TC football team's all about, people should watch this game. And just despite what all we've gone through, those kids just played hard and uh, they pulled out the win. And and that's what I asked him too. I'm, I'm, I'm first question, coach. You're without your 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 top two quarterbacks, your top two running backs. Your best receiver late in the fourth quarter, your top linebacker, how the heck did you win that game? And he said, I don't know. It's TCU. But it, it was it was crazy. You know, from from a, a board perspective, I was kind of disappointed in some of the fans because the fans should be overjoyed about this game. Yeah, you beat Baylor. Oh, you, it, it's yeah. not this season. But, man, the way the season has gone, for them to go out there, and that just proves to me there's a bunch of entitled uh, people that, think it, it should be a 10 and 11 win season every year uh, you're going to go through these roller coaster seasons like this and I, I I think I was disappointed to not see more people just overwhelmed with excitement that this that they won the game no it doesn't mean you're going going to win a championship or win the big 12 or, or even guarantee yourself a bowl game but the fact they just go out there and, and win that game the way they did and just their backs against the wall. There, who would have who would have thought? You have a fifth year senior like Grayson Mulestein. I think I've played more snaps at TCU than Grayson did. No, <laughs> I mean, but but that's you know. That's, think about that, it. The I was last, so proud for that kid. Yeah, I was too. You know, you think about it. The last meaningful snap that he played was 2013 for Decatur High School. I mean, the last yeah. snap were like something's on the line here. Is is 2013. Think about how much has happened since 2013. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That was the last time that he, and that was that was Texas high school football. And this isn't like you know, I, I know Decatur was a good team and he, he led them well, but this was not Plano East against Allen. I mean, this was this was 4A Texas high school football. Was the last time that he took a snap under pressure where something was on the line, and he went out there and he beat Baylor. He beat our biggest rival in in a game that they had everything to play for in their senior night. I mean, their, you know, their senior recognition day, trying to secure a bowl, which would have been huge for that Baylor program. And he goes out there. How many turnovers did he have, Jeremy? None. Zero turnovers. Zero turnovers. I want to give a shout out here. Uh, somebody that I had posted how excited I was for for Grayson and that this is kind of the things you love about college football, how the guy sat on the bench for five years and then comes in and beats Baylor. Or comes in and beats Baylor. And Jake Blackwell replies, 
TCU needs to always have a German named quarterback on the depth chart just in case. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that's great. a good one. You know, that's, <laughs> that's it, I'm, I was kind of the same way, uh, Jeff, just, just being proud for him just in that moment because, you know, you guys that have followed me for a long time, I, I get on my soapbox about some kids and kids I get real close with. And, uh, you know, Grayson's one of those kids. I think I was probably the biggest sunshine pumper out of every recruiting analyst out there uh, for Grayson. And uh, I remember me and Greg Powers just going toe-to-toe, hey, he's a four-star. He's not a four-star. Yeah, he's a – and I think both of us were right in some aspects and both of us were wrong. But, man, just for him to just stick around that long uh, in a position that guys leave in a heartbeat. I mean, you have guys oh, yeah. like Kelly Bryant that left Clemson three or four games into the season because, oh, no, I'm not starting anymore. And this guy has done nothing except go to practice every day, learn the system, probably probably had so many people telling him, hey, man, you might you might want to look at other options. You might why, why don't you go somewhere else where you can actually play? And this this kid just stuck it out, man. He Here he is. He's got uh, a, a guy like Sean Robinson committing. And, oh, here comes Mike Collins. Now he's a transfer. Now I'm going to go lower on the depth chart. Oh, by the way, here comes the highest rated recruit ever to sign with TCU and Justin Rogers. And yet there, that kid just sticks it out, man, just sticks it out. And it's, it's not, he didn't go out there and throw for 300 yards. He didn't throw for five touchdowns, but just the, just the fact that he can go out there, manage the game. He didn't make mistakes. And, it's just you, you you can't help but be proud of a kid in that moment just because it, it just goes to show good things happen to good people. And he's a he's a great kid. And if if anyone talks bad about him, just look at yourself in the mirror because that kid has oh. done nothing the, the definition of bleed purple, you cut open his veins and there's no better definition. That kid bleeds purple and, and, and he's proven that by playing a position where it's known that kids transfer in, in, in the drop of a hat if they don't get playing time and for that kid to just stick it out man I, I am so happy for him just to be able to go out there and play and and help uh, TCU defeat their biggest rival it was great for him you defeat your biggest rival and you think about Grayson in context that you know I remember what his big offer was it was Harvard and so this kid is obviously sharp. He had a he had an opportunity to go to Harvard, and he stays at TCU. Play, you know, comes in, sits on, you know, sits on the bench, does not see quality time, and yeah. then these opportunities present themselves. I know it sounds like a like a kid ball cliche from a coach, but you know, you work hard, you do your job, and then that opportunity comes. And it might not be starting fourteen games in the Big Twelve, but when that opportunity comes, you got to be ready. You know, one one of Coach Schloss's favorite quotes I've ever heard, and I, I, I preached a sermon on this one time. He said, "Are you willing to work while you wait?" And it's the ability to stay focused and stay disciplined before that opportunity to thrive is presented to you. Because when that opportunity is presented, if you do not work while you wait, you will not you will not thrive when that opportunity comes. This is a guy that was willing to work while he waited, and he waited five years, mm-hmm. and he gets a win at Baylor. And he is now he like he's this is one of those guys they're going to tell stories about this guy in twenty years like I, everybody's going to say I was at that game when when Grayson came in and, yeah. and we were ha- we were down half our roster and they and they beat Baylor so these are these are the fun stories about college football and 
not to take it any further. These are things that don't happen in the NFL. These are things that don't happen in professional leagues. This is a great college football story because it's about a young man that, that had his moment. No, he did not throw for 450 yards. No, he's not He's not going to put up 600 yards against, you know, 500 yards next week against Oklahoma State. But he was able to do what was asked of him, and it was enough. And that's that. That's a, a, a ray of sunshine in, in what has been a very frustrating season. If you thought it was frustrating for the fans, can't be anything for what it was been like for the team and for that moment to come. I love you. You were there, Jeremy. Weren't the other guys at the press conferences when you were able to interview the players? Weren't they so excited for him? Oh yeah, yeah. The players just, you know, Ben said it best. He talked about just being being patient and just working hard every day. And 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 when you got a leader like Ben Banigou that's saying that about Grayson, you know that 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 kind of guy. It's it's kind of like those moments when. You, you see all those videos. The the great videos of college football is when a walk-on gets a scholarship. Just the reaction from his teammates because that shows how much the teammates appreciate those kids going out there and working hard to, to make the rest of the team better, whether it's a scout team or whatever. And, and that's kind of how they, they treat Grayson, man. It just they, they see the hard work. It, you know, Players appreciate players that work hard. And, and that's what Grayson did, man. He just he's, – he's always working. He's always throwing. It, it just – every time we'd go to – a, uh, a Coach Patterson post-practice presser, you know, the quarterback behind throwing the football was Grayson. Whether he was throwing to a walk-on receiver or whatever, he just kept trying to uh, get better throwing the football. And you you got to appreciate that, man. You just got to appreciate the guy that goes out there and works his tail off. And uh, maybe he doesn't have as much talent as uh, as those other kids, but he certainly proved that he can manage a ball game and, and he can he – can, uh, step up to the challenge when he's called upon. And he did make a couple he, – he, he doesn't have quite the arm as Sean Robinson or Mike Collins, but he did make a couple of those plays that were really good plays. He That one pass to Pro Wells on the sideline that set up the fourth and one, and the next play they score a touchdown. Uh, the, the other play they had a third and four. He scrambles. He gets out of the pocket. He can make a first down with his legs, but he keeps his eyes upfield and finds Tay Barber and Tay Barber gets a 22 yard gain out of the thing. So he can make plays. I mean, and, and really it, you don't know what you have if, if a kid doesn't really ever see the field. No, I don't think anyone, if you, if you could have told me two years ago that, uh, Bram Kohausen would have been as good as he was in the Alamo Bowl, I would have called you, you, you're crazy. There's, there's no way you could have predicted that. That, and that's kind of the thing that, it, you know, with 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 Grayson, you don't really know what you have until until you see him on the field, and and really go out there and play consistently. But I tell you what, man, I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy for that entire team. They needed to get a win. Yeah, the the offense still struggled, but uh, man, if you're going to complain about the offense after this game, you're never going to be satisfied. Let, let me say that again. If you're going to complain about the offense after this game, you will never be satisf- satisfied. Just stop watching college football because I don't know how, how anyone – and it's funny, the, the team that I thought of when, when this whole game was happening is Baylor when they were down to whatever that kid's name that was playing – that played receiver, he was playing quarterback for them. Uh, and, and it was kind of like the 2015 season when they lost three of their quarterbacks and they were down a lot of injuries and, and their offense couldn't move the ball. But you you don't have you don't have uh, your your top two running backs and, and Darius for for whatever it's worth, man. I think that kid probably was on pace to get over 100 yards easily because the, the offensive line. Hey, guess what? They figured out how to block. 
that or Baylor's Baylor's they defensive did. line is just horrible. But they whatever it was, whether Baylor's or the offensive line to the block, the run game is what helped this team get the win on Saturday. And and they finally got tough up front. They finally created some lanes. Yep. Amari uh, uh, had a good game and and. And Darius, like I said, he he was running the football really, really well that first quarter. Now they did let Mike Collins get hit, but as far as the running game, that's what I, I, Coach Patterson. I, hey, Coach, your uh, offensive line—they look like they created. Uh, the, yeah, they did okay. Then, but they let my quarterback get hurt. You know, it's yeah. But hey, I think he might have he might he might have said his quarterback got hurt first, and then they created some good running lanes. You know how he is. Finds the bad first, then finds the good. But yeah, that that they they just put it all together. And I do. And we, I and like I said earlier, the defense, man, they just played lots out. They they bent a couple of times, but man, you just Ben Banigou, Juwan Johnson, you, you had some good plays from uh, Trayvon Morig and Garrett Wallow. Good grief, that kid was all over the place. And man, just a, just a great great overall game for them. They needed it. Yeah. Let me let me get a couple of fun facts in here. Uh, number one, you can uh, win a rivalry game with a third string quarterback. I just <laughs> wanted to remind Baylor that from 2015 when they said that game didn't count. You can win a rivalry game with your third string quarterback. And second, uh, Daniel just sent me this message here on the messenger. Uh, fun fact: the entire class went through their entire college career without uh, uh, Baylor, their senior class, went through their entire college career without ha- having a win over TCU. So this is four straight victories over Baylor. These seniors for TCU never lost to Baylor. How cool was that? This t- these seniors never ever lost to Baylor. That's a fun fact. You know the irony is we're we're seventeen uh, and a half minutes into this no. show, Jeremy, and you know whose name we haven't mentioned yet? <laughs> Jalen Rager. <laughs> Tell. You know, we got two plays. I, I, I want to break those down. I want to break down the, the the touchdown off the screen, and then I want to break down the wild frog in, in reverse. But just take us inside what you saw in, in in your reaction in the press box, as well as is is what you heard inside the stadium and in post game. You know, Grayson is getting chased, hits Rager, then he does what he does. Tell us what happened when when, when you saw it with your eyes. Well, um, it was it was all Jalen. You know, Gra- Grayson gets a. Gets a asterisk next to his touchdown pass. I <laughs> think that's how it should be. Hey, hey, don't be I that mean, guy that's dogging him. You were just saying, don't dog him. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, I even joked with him after in, in the in the post game. Hey, you know, when you your first career touchdown pass, all you really had to do was throw it eight yards, and then Jalen does it, and he started laughing. And and uh, but no, I mean, just man, he's just athletic. I mean, he's the best player on TCU's football team, and I don't even think it's close. Uh, as far as this year goes, I, I don't think there's there's anyone else that that has the the playmaking capability he has, and it just, that single play right there was just all heart for him, all athletic ability. I mean, it just it was it was literally all him because you see him catch that pass, you think, crap, he's he, if if he catches that pass and doesn't do what he does, everyone. And their grandma and their grandma's dogs and grandma's dogs cousins cussing out Cumby for that play call because it 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 did not it did not execute right. The, who uh, Lucas missed his block. You had 
two or three guys just bearing down on on Jalen, and man, he just he's just on another level. I mean, you can't describe it any other way. The speed that he possesses, he he outruns everyone. The only reason he even made it close toward the end of the play is because he was so tired. But that that was a momentum changer. That it really was, and it was just basically one of those things where. He knew he had to take over the game. He knew the weight of the offense was going to be placed on his shoulders. He's playing with a guy who has taken snaps in exactly seven games in five years. There's no Darius out there. There's no Shawo out there. The other receivers, where have they been the last few weeks? So it, it was really one of those plays where he's kind of like, okay, well, I've got to do something. And that's what he said. He said, I've got to do something. I've got to make a play. And that's what he did, man. And and I tell you what, it was just, it it was so crazy to see inside the stadium and and just the Baylor reactions and the the people in the press box and it just just a spectacular play. You can't describe it any other way. Just uh, all hard effort from him. Yeah, Grayson did his job and got it to him, and then Rager did the work of three receivers and two blockers with that play from one side to the other, and he was able to – I counted five guys from Baylor that had a chance to get him, and then once he got to the 20, I saw that they were in a position to close, and I thought they're not going to catch him. He's going to find a way to just will himself into the end zone. And the funny thing, I was watching it on TV, was – he might have been out, but there was no angle to see that his foot was out. And so when he dove, you know, there was not, in, you know, there, it was, it was, in, the, the play stood, you know, that that's as they would say in the nomenclature, yeah. the, the play wasn't confirmed. The play stood. He got into the end zone. He might've been out, but it doesn't matter. Touchdown stood. Can I tell you Probably, something? Probably, Can I tell out. you something? He was out. Go for it. They, I know he was <laughs> they, out. They showed they showed it because because the the stadium the stadium cameras sometimes have different angles than the TV cameras, and so they never. <laughs> they, I, I watched I watched the game today. I rewatched the game, and I that was I, I fast forwarded to that play because I it just for my own well being I wanted to, I wanted to see what the TV angle showed because I was thinking. When we all saw it in the press box inside the stadium, we we're like, okay, well, TCU's going to set up on the three because it looked like he stepped out. They showed it on the big jumbotron down there. He was out. He he was a half half an inch out, maybe half an inch, maybe less than half an inch. His foot was on the white. And I could see why Baylor fans were pissed off about that because they never showed – at home on TV, you never saw that. But that's why when they cut – cut away from the play and they showed Matt rule and he's taken off his headphones. If that was coach P he would have been livid too. I mean, TC, you got to have lucky breaks in games like this. And that's one of the lucky breaks they got. They just didn't have, they didn't have that angle. And that's why the TV announcers were even saying something about it, uh, saying it looks like a different view from what the stadium cameras have. And they were wanting to know if they could review that angle because it was a totally different angle from what it was a perfect angle. Cause they, they shot it from behind the end zone. And you could mm-hmm. see you could see Jalen's foot clearly touching that white line. Now I know I'm going to get arguments, and everyone's going, "Oh, you saw something weird." No, your eyes are bad. Everyone in the press box knew that he was out too, but they didn't see it on TV. But like I said, you got to get some lucky breaks here or there. Yeah, and the frogs got it, and they took advantage of it. So. Let's pivot to the second touchdown that Jalen scored. So it's fourth and one. The Frogs are driving. Sonny makes the decision to go, or one of the two makes the decision to go for it 
I'm just going to tell you, I let out an audible sigh when I saw mm-hmm. them come out and line up in the Wild Frog. And I know I'm not the only one. If anybody saw that and thought that was a great idea, you're lying. And, man, that was a beautiful play call because, you know, he gets the snap and he takes a step forward and he does that shuffle step, tw- uh, two shuffle steps to the right like Shaywo does. And then the next thing you know, Jalen Rager has the ball and he's, and he's got nothing but green light, I mean, nothing but daylight in front of him and makes his way into the end zone. Uh, what was your feeling when you saw the frogs come out in the wild frog? I thought it was going to get killed. Uh, <laughs> I, I, immediate, I immediately, I immediately went to thinking, okay, this is going to get killed. Cumbie's going to get slammed even more. Everyone knows this, knows this play is going to get stuffed. And you don't have you, and you didn't have Shaywo back there either. Um, so it was, it was kind of a. God, they're just they're gonna give up on this. They're they're really gonna run this play. But man, I'll tell you what, and, and and you run plays in games to set up other plays. We all know that. Everyone that watches football has ever or ever played football, you run certain plays. It's just like, you know, those quick passes. You're trying to hit those quick pass, quick pass, quick pass. You make the guys jump and you go over the top. I do it with my fifth grade team. We do it and it works every time because kids are so aggressive and sometimes college cornerbacks, they get aggressive, but that, that's what happened with Baylor's defense. They got so aggressive, and, man, there was no one. It, it was a beautiful play call. Uh, Gary even came out and, and, and said he no one even had to ask him about it. He came out and said, man, that was just, that was just a, a really good play call. I even got fooled. And here, as soon as Jalen got the pitch and you saw him running, you knew it, it was a touchdown. And guess who he – you guys know who they fooled on that play? Y'all remember James Lynch? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, forever. Yeah. Oh, yes, the guy that was yeah. committed to TCU, yeah. decommitted, yeah. went to USC, got cut by USC. Yeah. A kid out of Round yeah. Rock, right? Yeah, he had played. He was out of. Yeah. He played with Braylon Mitchell. I remember that, and he got smoked on that play. And they had just gotten done doing a highlight on him. They kept calling him Country Strong, James Lynch. James, I'm like. First of all, Round Rock is not country. Uh, second of all, uh, you you got burned, buddy. You got burned. That was a great moment. Can I tell you? Can I tell you what? Uh, and this is going to piss some people off. This this is going to get the the haters coming even more. But I, I want to read to you something uh, that Coach P said after the game because Gil Gil asked Gary straight up, and he phrased it. Gary Sonny's been taking a lot of unfair criticism from the fans this year. What are your thoughts on that? So Coach P says, you know, our fans, like any other fans, in about five years, the medium of when we came here will be about 50. That's when I'll be about tired of what we need to do. It's hard to win ball games. It doesn't matter what situation you're in, where you play, what you do. It's hard to win ball games. We've become spoiled in the situation. This team, that was a gutsy win today. And this is what he said earlier. If you want to know what kind of heart and what this program is about, you just need to watch this ball game. Dang. Spoiled fans. Spoiled fans. He's not wrong. He is not wrong. He's not going to change. No, he's not going to change. He's not, no. He's, he's not. He's not. I'm telling you right Speak. now, and, and I know it, it pisses people off, but I, I'm just telling you, I've been around the guy for a long, long time. And he even said it the other day on Tuesday. He does it by two year by two years. 
And everyone's going to be like, well, yeah, the offense struggled last year. But you know what? Gary Patterson looks at that 11 wins and that Big 12 title berth. That's what he goes by. He doesn't care yes. about the total yards. He that's I'm te- I'm telling you right now. Just I'm telling you. Just believe me when I say it. Just believe me. If, if there's any kind of staff movement movement after the season, it's going to be at someone's own accord. They're gonna they're gonna want to leave because they want to leave. It. He he's not gonna he's not gonna make a drastic staff change. Uh, just just to appease some fans. Interesting. Well, I got a great quote from Coach Patterson. He posted this on Twitter tonight about a, a couple hours ago. I want to read this to you. If, you have, if you're yep. not on Twitter, first of all, you're not missing much, but this is a great quote. Coach Patterson, thanks to all the Frog family out there who watched us or joined us in Waco. Thank you. The guys played hard. To all the recruiters out there who are saying, I am retiring after Oklahoma State so our recruits would visit you, you aren't that lucky. LOL. Go Frogs. That was pretty cool, man. So. So is there is there negative recruiting taking place that Coach Patterson is about to retire? Or are they saying, yeah. well, you know Coach Schneider's going to retire and Coach Patterson's right behind him as if they're the same age? Yeah, and he knows who it is too. That's the funny thing about some of these coaches, these recruiters. It, it's like they don't think those players are going to say something. It's like it's like telling – like you're, you're telling a 17-year-old this. It's like, hey, man – don't tell, uh, don't tell uh, so and so this, but this girl thinks you're hot. And you know this, that's that's how it is. I mean, hey, you know, don't tell TCU this, but you know, we're hearing Coach Patterson's going to retire. But, what do you think the first thing they do is? Hey, well, well Coach so and so from so and so told me you're going to retire, Coach. Yeah, it's it's funny yeah. like that. I think people forget how connected some of these recruits are. They all go to the same camps. They all play against each other. There's, you know, there's a lot of folklore about shared tech, you know, text threads and DM threads that these guys are all connected. They all talk They're They might be rivals on Friday nights or that kind of thing. They might be going to different schools, but they, they respect each other and this stuff's going to get yeah. out there. So yeah, the idea that they're not talking amongst themselves and then giving feedback to the staff is just kind of crazy. Yeah. Tell a teenager, Hey, you can't tell anybody this. That's that's not a really good way to go about it. So, well, let's transition here. We got a couple of, a couple other things I really wanted to highlight. Let's talk a little recruiting. Give us a little bit on the recruiting uh, front, Jeremy. We got football and basketball that I think you got some insight on. Then we got a new hire in the Big Twelve. We're going to talk about that at the end, and then close out with Oklahoma State. So, tee us up. Tell us what we need, we need to know about recruiting right now. Well, they've uh, they've got uh, a kid coming in. I think Drew Mathis is coming in this week, this weekend for the Oklahoma State game. There'll be some other kids coming in, and it's they offered uh, uh, Dewan Jones from Indianapolis, and that's a that's a humongous offensive lineman. He's a guy that they've been looking at really since the summer, and there's a there's a close connection with Monte Rager. Monte Rager knows the family. I don't know if that's from his. Indianapolis connections when he played up there or what, but he knows the family somehow. And, and, um, he's a guy that, that has, has, uh, kind of been pushing TCU to recruit Jones and, 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 and they actually, they finally did. And, uh, I, I think that's a, I think that's a good offer for them. I think it's, it's one of those, uh, big offensive linemen that could come in and, and play, uh, guard if he's not ready to play tackle, just kind of like Matt Pryor did. They, uh, I, I think the recruiting is going to pick up here 
within the next few weeks. Uh, obviously, early signing periods coming in December 19th, and they're going to have uh, official visits in starting this week. They'll have official visits for uh, the 23rd uh, through this, you know, 24th, 25th. Then the next weekend, December 1st, then the next weekend, December 7th, and then December 14th. And then it gets to the dead period when they have the uh, early signing. But the uh, the latest commit, uh, Blair Conride, I'm going to actually go out there and see him uh, this Friday when they, they, uh, they're they playing down in Abilene and they're playing my boys, the Azel Hornets. So it's a win-win for me. I get to go watch both those, uh, both Azel and, and uh, get a chance to go watch Blair up close and I'm excited for that because I, I can't wait to I can't wait to see uh how he is up close and oddly enough Hazel's got a receiver that's related to Sonny Cumbie that's a, ba- a good baseball player too and uh he's been he's been scoring a lot of touchdowns so it's it's gonna be a a good day for uh for me to go out there and and, and see those kids but overall the uh the football class I, I know I've had some people ask and what three commits was Coach Patterson talking about that could come back into the fold? I, I don't remember him ever saying that. Um, I was kind of confused by that. I don't think I ever answered it on the board. But uh, the, the two of the three commits that they've lost and in the last month, uh, Myron Warren, William Jones, and, and Kennedy Lewis, two of those three they wouldn't take back. And, and, and one of them, it, just like Coach P said the other day, sometimes it's better for us to – have that relationships with the kids to make it look like they're decommitting from us when we're actually the ones that are kind of, Hey, look other, you know, look at these other options. And you know, one of those, one of those kids is definitely, definitely that way. Myron Warren's about the only one that they would, they would definitely uh, take back. But the, the Adam plant kid, let me tell you this. That, That's what I that, was going to ask that you. Came, we got a new commit yeah, this weekend. That, this week. that came out of nowhere. Hey, listen, and I will be the first. I know it seems like I act like I'm a know-it-all and, hey, don't you can't get nothing by me. I will tell you right now, I fully admit I had no idea that they were recruiting this kid. And it really came out of nowhere. I'm like, who the heck is Adam playing? I, I didn't even know him from last year. And it was funny because the – the coaches never really went out and saw him in person because guess what? He's not playing right now. He played last year. He's a 2018 kid and he hasn't played anywhere. He, he enrolled uh, or signed with uh, Arizona and there was a quirky uh, thing that happened with his SAT where his SAT screwed up and he, he ended up having to take another class. Well, he was going to go to Arizona Western, but he only, he only enrolled there and he never physically, went to the class and went back to Vegas. And so he's just been, he took what class he needed at a, a, a college there in town and has just been training the last several months. And one of the coaches at, at TCU Hernandez, who is not allowed to go out and physically recruit, but those guys can, those guys can uh, make contact from, from, uh, you know, being in their own office on campus, but they, they watched them and, and this was all Friday morning. They watched them as a staff and knew about them. And coach Patterson said, Hey, let's go ahead and extend an offer. They extended an offer and kid committed on the spot. And, and really they had done a good job of kind of opening up communication. He told me that there really hadn't been any other schools 
that that had recruited him because no one really knew what he was doing. And now that now that he's qualified and he's got he he, he plans to be here. Uh, I think he's going to visit December first, and he is going to be an early enrollee. And he will be here in January, and that that's huge. He's not as he's he's not your typical uh, burst off the the defensive line. He he doesn't have the same kind of speed as maybe a, a, an Oshawn Mathis, but man, he's got good size. He's he's gonna, he's going to kind of be like an LJ Collier type, and just just give them that kind of player. But it it was a man just. Out, out of left field, that's what I put on the board, out of left field. I, I had no idea, and I fully admit, I, I will own up to it. You guys can hammer me on it, do whatever. I I, I fully admit I, I had no idea uh, what happened with this. And and, and, and honestly, it, the way I was told about it, the way it happened so quickly Friday morning, not, I don't even think some of the coaches knew that it was happening, uh, to be honest <laughs> with you. But it, it was it, it it's a it's a great addition it's it it fills a big big position need in the class you you had you lost Myron Warren so really the only defensive end that you had committed is Colt Ellison well Colt had a really really bad injury a few weeks ago and and so you really don't even know if he's going to be ready to go by the time next season starts if if it's that bad of an injury and 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 if he's not you still got to be kind of cautious with with that injury being being a knee uh, and as bad as it was, but it, it's, it's a great, great story. Uh, and I can't wait to see the kid in person. I mean, he had a ton of offers last year. He was regarded as one of the top weak side defensive ends in the country. And I think it's, uh, I think it, again, just a big position need that they had to fill. Well, that is, uh, that is your fill right there of TCU football recruiting, but as I, as I admitted on the podcast last week, I'm still learning how to be a TCU basketball fan. I, I was born and raised a Kentucky basketball fan, and that's uh, that's like being an Alabama fan. We're really annoying because we're pretty good. We don't have quite the titles that <laughs> Alabama has, but that said, we're, we're pretty annoying. I have just been blown away by what Jamie Dixon has been able to do in such a short period of time. The the, the period of time that it takes to really revitalize a basketball program is, is so much shorter than what it is for football. And when you see this recruiting class that was uh, signed in the early signing day for TCU basketball, it's, it's the highest rated uh, class that the Frogs have ever had. Tell us a little bit about what you saw and some of these guys that are coming in with your buddy, Coach Dixon. Yeah, uh, man, like you said, it's just amazing, just the transformation of the program where it sits in just his three years being here. And, and I said it last week, just watching games, how they look different athletically and, and just the the talent level they have and just the way, same thing with football, just the different level of athlete that you can recruit now. But this class, and and I've talked to Mark Cohen about it, and, and we're trying to figure out if this is the top class that they've ever signed. And, and we're, we're leaning that it is. As far as going back to 2000, it is the highest ranked class. I think uh, the the highest before that was 30th, and and I'm still trying to figure out all that mess. It was in 2003 when they had this kid. I think his name was Blake Adams or something similar to that, and he was listed as a five star. But I don't. It could be one of those weird glitches that he was ranked like that. I I, I don't know. Anyhow, in modern in the modern era, since since TCU joined the Big Twelve and and really the last fifteen years from two thousand three, 
I mean, the classes have been nowhere, nowhere close to where they finished up the other day, and that's at number 15. You have three guys that were all top 100 players in the country uh, for the class. You had P.J. Fuller. You had Farabello out of Australia, the Argentinian that plays in Australia. So it's funny if you ever wonder, like, you know, you always ask those questions, hey, you, you think distance from home would be a factor for that kid? He's probably doesn't care where the heck he plays as being as far as he's traveled already. Um, but And Deontay Smith, that that's another kid. I mean, they just – all three of them led by P.J. Fuller. P.J. Fuller, I think, is even now – I think he dethroned Jalen Fisher as the top overall rated recruit um, that TCU's ever signed. And that just goes to the level of recruits that Jamie Dixon and his staff continue to get. And when you can build a class, get three or four guys, if you consistently build a class that's going to finish in the top 15 and, and, and with a coach like Jamie Dixon and his staff, it, it would be like Coach Patterson signing the top 10 class. Or top five class. How how would people think if Coach Patterson signed a top ten to top five class based on what kind of coaching ability he has? I mean, everyone would be saying, "Oh man, it's a national championship." Just wait, and that's kind of what you got to think with with this. I mean, obviously, the the blue bloods of college basketball, Duke and North Carolina, and and those guys are going to get the top rated recruits. But I think it's pretty pretty cool that you. In in just three years, you've gone from uh, the 47th ranked class, 38, then 35 last year, and then this year you go all the way up to number 15. And so it just goes to show what kind of uh, recruiting that, that TCU has right now on their staff and the ability to land some of the top players in the country. I mean, it, it's it's exciting times right now for TCU basketball, period. Yes, it is. It is exciting times for TCU basketball. The Frogs continue to be ranked, still undefeated. We'll uh, see how long that goes, see how long that lasts, because I think they're they are keyed up to f- exceed what they did last year. Last year they broke into the tournament. I, I, I think you're going to see the Frogs make some noise, not just in the tournament. I, th- I think they're going to make some noise in the Big 12 and finish in the top yeah. two or three. That would be a huge accomplishment, and I, I, think that's, I think that's to be expected. I really think that's to be expected. So for you basketball fans that haven't been out to a game yet, Tuesday night they play Lipscomb, and that was an NCAA team a tournament team last year. They're three and zero right now. They're predicted to win their conference again, and it it should be a pretty interesting game. I mean, they're gonna people are gonna look at the team and be like, who? But it's a really good basketball team, and and, and Coach Dixon was already talking about them on uh, uh, whatever I can't remember what day they played. Now Thursday night when they played Fresno, he was already talking about. Uh, them coming to town and, and how talented they were. So it should be a pretty decent game over there at Showmeyer on a Tuesday. So get out there and watch them. Sounds good. Well, we had a, a splash in the Big 12 uh, this weekend with some games, but the one I really want to talk about is we now have a coach that has won a national championship that is coaching in the Big 12. And, of course, he's at Kansas. That is Les Miles, former, L- former Oklahoma State head coach and – former LSU head coach where he won the national championship, Coach Les Miles. Jeremy, this is at least, bare minimum, going to make people want to watch Kansas games, even if it's going to be a long, slow rebuild for them. His job is not to bring Kansas back. It's to get them up off the mat. His job is to at least make them competitive, 
half the time, win three Big 12 games a year, and be able to you know inch, inch towards that bowl game so that when that next round of realignment and their next coach comes, they'll be in a better spot than they are right now. Yeah. Jeff Long, former AD at, uh, at Arkansas, is now the AD at, at Kansas. Do you think this was a good hire? If you're AD for a day at Kansas and you're so bad, uh, although they put up 40 points on Oklahoma, uh, do, you, do you think this is a good hire? I mean, I think it's great drama. Yeah. It's going to be great television. Yeah. I think it's a good hire. Now, it could end up being like it was with Charlie Weiss because everyone everyone remembers when Kansas hired him and they were talking about how great he did at uh, Notre Dame. And But I think Les Miles is a good coach. Uh, he, he might have his off-field antics, the Mad Hatter, whatever people want to call him, but he can coach. He LSU had uh, some pretty good teams playing in the toughest conference in college football, the, the toughest division. In college football, period. I, I'm, SEC West is toughest division, period, in college football. So they, and for him to win a national championship there, that's 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 pretty big. But he he won a lot of games, and I think it's I think it's what they needed. I think they gave a chance to a guy that was an up up and coming coach like Beatty, and it didn't work out. So now you've got to do something that's going to get your alumni excited. You're, you're bringing in a coach that has won a national championship. He's got skins on the wall. He's going to be able to recruit. They're not going to go out and sign a top 25 class right off the bat, but they're going to win some battles against uh, teams like Kansas State. They're going to recruit against TCU. I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to they're going to go down into Louisiana. They're going to come down to Texas, and that's, that's what they did when they were at LSU, and that's what he did when he was at Oklahoma State. And it, it is it is going to be a, a a hard selling point for for him because he's he's got like I said the skins on the wall they're building new indoor they're upgrading the stadium up there so there's a lot of excitement coming around Kansas football right now but like I said it, it you know a few years ago when they had uh, Charlie Weiss everyone was expecting the same thing and I remember when TCU had Tyler Math- Tyler Matthews. That was the four star out of Kansas. A lot of people thought, "Oh no, he's going to flip to Kansas because they got Charlie Wise now." And Charlie Wise, the second day he was on the job, he went to Tyler to McPherson, Kansas, to visit Tyler Matthews' school in person, and and Tyler stuck with TCU. But uh, there, there's that's that's the kind of impact Les Miles is going to have. There, those those. Uh, Kids right now that might be committed to Nebraska or Kansas State or Iowa, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he just picks up the phone and calls Max Duggan and says, hey, would you consider us? Would you consider just visiting? Would you consider and, and just and just talking? They're going to they're gonna try to recruit kids that are close in that region. They're going to try to keep kids, the good kids that are in Kansas but leave Kansas to go places like Missouri or even Oklahoma or Oklahoma State that are a little bit close in uh, proximity, but it, I, I think it's a good hire. I think it's great for the conference. Uh, it, if I was being devil's advocate, I probably would have tried. If I was Jeff Long, I probably would have tried to call Mike Leach just to see if he listens and see if he would come to Kansas after the season. But that's just the cynic in me. I want Mike Leach back in the Big Twelve. I just, I love his antics so. I, oh, I think I, do too. I, I think Kansas I think Kansas uh, made a good hire, and, and obviously it's he's not a young guy. He's sixty five years old, and uh, he he's got he's got a a lot to do to turn that program around. But when you got kids like Puka Williams, and they've got athletes there. Obviously, they've got athletes because guess what? They beat TCU, and 
that's that's one of those deals where if you're walking into a situation and you got some good young talent, then I, I think that's what kind of coach they need. They need a coach that's going to bring a lot of fire and a lot of enthusiasm, especially for the fans. I, I can't wait, you know, just looking at that uh, hire – watch for that first game next year that that stadium is going to be sold out for the first time and probably can't, I can't t- even tell you how long but there's going to be a lot of excitement surrounding that program just because he's he's that kind of, he's he's a, a magnetic coach I mean people follow him and uh, they they want to see what he does and it's it's good for the big 12 in my opinion yeah, I think it's good for the Big 12. I think it gives them uh, gives them something. They have to have something because this is really a long-term interim is what it is. And he, I think he's going to be able to build a roster. So it, it could blow up in his face. It could blow up in their face, but I think it's a good move. And I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see what he's going to be able to do at Kansas. If nothing else, we got to stop them from being the worst, one of the worst Power 5 teams. Yes, I know we lost to them. But anything we can do to help the conference is good for everybody. So I'll be interested hey. to see what the old Matt Hatter can do. <laughs> and it's perfect for him. He's 65 years old. If he could go up there and he doesn't have – LSU 6-6 six and six gets him fired in a heartbeat. 7-5 and five oh. gets him fired in a heartbeat. 7-5 and five at Kansas probably gets him an extension. <laughs> no, it gets him a statue. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, there's 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 nothing. I mean, just, as far as uh, just being on the hot seat, I mean, you, you got to go out and do what David Beatty did, which was not win very many games at all. And, and uh, it, it, it's funny because I, I think he's going to go into a situation just knowing that, man, if I could just go 500, I, I could stay here as long as I want. You know, Kansas That's ain't right. going to fire. They're not going to fire a guy that goes seven and five or eight and four. I mean, guess what? Yep. Your program's been in shambles ever since uh, what's his face left, Mangino. Yep, it has been. Well, let's look around the rest of the Big Twelve here real quick to wrap this show up. We've got uh, Iowa State that loses at Texas. So, Jeremy, your prediction of the Cyclones man, going to the so uh, Big Twelve title game? Out David window. Montgomery being out the first half just ruined it. And Brock it Purdy did. played horribly. He played like a true freshman for the first time this year. Yeah, he did. He did. Cyclones go down. Uh, West Virginia gets beat by Oklahoma State. Uh, all right. You, this is this is what I actually thought would happen late in the season. Or actually, this is actually what I thought would happen to them this season. So they've lost. Uh, they've lost to uh, Iowa State. They get beat by Oklahoma State, and they have Oklahoma. This uh, this Friday, I think it's I think it's a I think it's Black Friday. So, you know the the Mountaineers couldn't end up nine and three, but mm-hmm. man, they just gave that game away. Oklahoma State just you know they took it, but man, West Virginia did not close out well in that game. So, did, I'm going to be they did not get, like crazy for the Mountaineers on Saturday. I do not want Texas in the Big Twelve title game. Oh, you know what? I'm not going to lie. I'm going to say this. I want Oklahoma to beat West Virginia because I want Oklahoma and Texas in the Big 12 title game for very for one simple reason. I I I think Oklahoma would put 60 on Texas next. I think that they would destroy them and that's a game I want to watch. I want to you know Texas is in the Big 12 title game no matter what. That's the thing. All they have to do is beat Kansas and they're in. You know they're they're in the Big Twelve title game. If, so the winner if of West the, Virginia loses, no, it's not it, the, the winner of the OU 
the winner of the OU West Virginia game is in. And as long as Texas beats Kansas, they're in. They control their destiny. All they have to do is beat well, Kansas does, and they're in. Okay, so if West Virginia beat – oh, that's right. So if West Virginia beats Oklahoma, yep, that's their second loss. And then it would be yes. Texas and West Virginia. Yes. Oklahoma has to win to get into the Big 12. Uh, everybody has to win to get in. But if everybody wins, they're in. You know, the winner of those two games yeah. are in. It's a play-in I, game. There's no scenario. Where, there's no rematch score. with. Yeah, there's no rematch between West Virginia and OU on the table. That is off the table unless Kansas loses. Yeah, I mean, unless Wouldn't Kansas be beats great. Texas. Yeah, they scored forty yeah, against was, Oklahoma. They it's going to be in Lawrence. Going to be on Senior Day. Last game for David Beatty. They're they going to put all their fire heart on the field. Mike Stoops. Oh wait a minute. Um. Yeah, they are. Hey, can, well, the frogs, is that go, go ahead? Does that does that not show you something? What what does that show you? That there's a lot of uh, that there's a lot of parity in the Big Twelve, and that no, I mean as far uh, as far defense. as far as let let's let's backpedal. Let's backpedal to what what we've been hearing for several weeks. We got to fire someone. We got to let heads roll. What what has it helped with Oklahoma? Let's answer. Oh, not answer a thing. That. Nothing. Had they, can't, can't you even even admit since they fired Stoops that their defense has gotten worse? It has. So it maybe, has just worse. maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's not always a coach? Hmm. Maybe it's not. I think, uh, yeah, it's they're going to, if they're going to make changes, which they should, I, Oklahoma's defensive staff needs to be, needs to have some serious changes. You can say that. Uh, they it's probably going to cost them one, maybe two national championships because yeah. they had like if, if they had a average defense last year, they're the national champions. If they had a average defense this year, they would be undefeated and in, in going into the playoff. And I think probably the only team with any firepower to beat Oklahoma, but or to beat Alabama. But you know, just because you make, I, I I'm I'm on both sides of it. I'm on both sides of it. That, yeah, I am too. Our struggle. Our I'm struggles. I'm just being a smart ass. I understand. <laughs> Our struggles are are, are 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 a little more isolated, and I think it has to do with forty out of eighty five players being injured, and a a quarterback that has. Um, there's been some quarterback issues. I'll just yeah. put it that way. Oklahoma has systemic defensive issues, and anybody that doesn't think that that's a broad based program culture issue is 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 not paying attention. So yeah, I think it's they've they've recruited players to play a scheme that they're not. A, necessarily good for um, yeah i think that's and, right i think yeah that's right. it i they they tend to isolate their corners and those corners and a lot of people ask you know why didn't tc recruit so-and-so because they're not they're not good in isolation guys like mm-hmm. uh trey brown or Dre brown what, what i can't remember number six justin brawls th- those kids were all at tcu's camps and i've seen them get beat left and right one-on-one and people always wonder mm-hmm. like, how come TC didn't offer. Well, sometimes you don't see the behind the scenes stuff, and and you know they 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 see them on film and they look good, and then sometimes you see them in person, and man, they they have a bad day, or man, they have a a really really bad day. And some of those guys have really really bad days when when they're in person and coaches. And I think it I think it has a lot to do with uh, just some of the top. Like you know, the the Murray kid, Kenneth Murray, he's he's great. He's he's a good player, um, but man, they just got 
for that for that defensive scheme that I think they've recruited horribly for for the kind of scheme that they're wanting to run. I think well, we're they just wrap go up for here. Starsies. I think so too. I think so too. And I don't think they have any consistent philosophy that matches their recruiting. So and and they don't tackle. But other than that, it's Yeah, fun. not tackling uh, hurt you. I'm I'm going to put you on the spot here in one second after we hear from our sponsor, uh, Jeremy. I want you. I wanted you to give me a prediction for the Oklahoma State game. But okay. before we do that, I want to thank our sponsor, Teen Life. Uh, if you haven't yet, please go follow them at TeenLife.ngo. You can find them on Twitter at TeenLife underscore NGO. Teen Life is a great organization that exists to encourage, empower, and equip teenagers to live a better life. They have great resources right there in Tarrant County, right there at schools next to TCU, where they're able to come alongside students and help them make better decisions so that they can be equipped to live the life that they were created for. If you haven't yet, go to teenlife.ngo, consider signing up or making that end-of-the-year tax-deductible donation. I know our wealthy uh, one percenters that listen to this show, this is a great way for you to give. Or if you're an ordinary guy like all uh, well, Jeremy's loaded. Uh, if you're an ordinary guy like Daniel and I, it also is a great way to make an end-of-the-year donation to something that makes a tangible difference in the lives of students. So go to teenlife.ngo and find out more today. Jeremy, you who are so wealthy. Sorry, I had to get that rib in. Uh, <laughs> You're not, although you have a pool, yeah. and we should have a Horn Frog Blitz or Frogcast pool party. Uh, that would be great. Uh, tell me about the score this weekend. Give me your prediction. Oklahoma State. Ooh, that's going to be a tough TCU, one. TCU. What do you got? Well, now that Oklahoma State's bowl eligible, I think uh, that might play well into TCU's hands because they're going to be playing like crazy trying to get that sixth win. The defense, defense, man, they just keep playing good. They keep playing good. But the, the one thing that scares me a little, when when you know that an offense is good coming into the game, they pretty much prove to you, yeah, we got a good offense. Oklahoma, we knew that they were going to score. They scored. West Virginia, we knew they had a great offense. They were going to score. They scored. Oklahoma State, they've put up some massive, massive yards and points the last few weeks. TCU's defense played great against Baylor, but Baylor hadn't been scoring a lot of points either. They played against great against Kansas State. They haven't been Kansas State hadn't been scoring a lot of points. So I don't know what it's going to be uh, after last week. I'd be remiss to uh, predict against the Frogs. So I think TCU can pull off the upset. Well, I'm going to shock you, and I'm going to go ahead and agree with you because. This, this team has only played like a – Oklahoma State's only played like a top 10 team or a top 80 team, and really there's nowhere in between. They you know, they beat Texas. They beat West Virginia. They were a two-point uh, – they were they, they were a two-point conversion, a better thrown pass away from beating Oklahoma in Bedlam. So – but they've also laid an egg against Kansas State. So we'll see what yeah. comes of it, but I'm going to go Texas ahead and Tech. take the Frogs. And Texas Tech, yes, and Texas Tech, and Iowa State. Um, Iowa State. So, so it's it's going to be a good matchup. It's it's going to be an interesting matchup. Anytime that the mullet comes to town, it's a it's a it's an interesting day. So I have a feeling the frogs can at least play a competitive game uh, with with a just a, the you know the walking wounded of that roster. So yeah. I'm but, I'm interested to see who's healthy. Um, but we'll see. Can I, can I tell you the one thing I'm worried about? Tylen Wallace. That? Oh and I, gosh. Hey. And you, and you fans, y'all could thank Doug Meacham for that because Doug's the one that didn't offer him. Doug's the oh one that recruited him. And I'll tell you right, I, I know I, I'm the one that first discovered those two. 
uh, actually Matt stepped in and I was the first one to ever talk to those two kids. Uh, but man, that such a talent's just tearing it up, man. And that he'll, he'll probably want nothing better than to go out and, and play against a team that he really, really, really wanted to play for in front of a lot of family and friends. He's from South Hill, Fort Worth, South Hills. So he's coming back home and, I hope Gladney's ready, Gladney and Lewis, because that that kid's gonna want to have a big game. And Cornelius has already shown that he, Wallace is his favorite guy. So yeah, so thank 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 Doug for that one. Thank Doug Meacham. Next time you see him, ask him why. And I, I will say this, and, and and people, you you guys can disagree with me all you want, and I know he looks faster, but I can I can confirm that kid ran a four seven at TCU's camp, and. Now I know he probably runs about a four four for whatever reason. I don't I don't know how it happened, but I physically saw that kid run that at the camp. So don't don't be too hard on these guys. I don't think anyone knew what he was really gonna turn into. And man, he's he's one of the top receivers in the Big Twelve. He's probably gonna get first team all Big Twelve. No doubt about it. Yes, he is. What's well, going to bring an end to our show tonight? Thanks for listening to everybody. Uh, if you haven't yet, please go online and, and subscribe to go to your podcasting app of choice and subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you haven't yet, give us a rating or a review. We would love that. It helps fuel that. I went through and read those this week. Uh, got some good comments, some interesting comments, but a lot of five star reviews. We appreciate that. Go give us a five star review. And if, also, if you have not yet, now is a great time to go join. Horn Frog Blitz. It's a great opportunity to stay connected to a message board, a group of people that are passionate about TCU football. Sometimes it gets a little interesting when the season isn't quite going the way we're used to, um, but you can stay updated on what's going on inside the program and on the recruiting trail. And Jeremy has all the inside information there for you there. So for Daniel and for Jeremy, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast.